Tell me if this sounds familiar. So you encounter somebody with some like deeply held belief, and that could be anything, uh, religious, political, societal, just some kind of view that is basically become like a, a deep belief in that person. And you believe that's incorrect, or it's based on information that's not correct, or it's based on you know facts that have been proven wrong or something. And you then proceed to try to educate this person on this topic. And so you start off with good intentions, but then you quickly realize that you know things aren't going so well. This person's gotten maybe really defensive and they're not really hearing anything you have to say. And it's almost like the facts don't matter. So I've experienced this quite a bit. My whole birds versus the fish video, I called it the deepness divide. I should have called it the depth divide. I'm not sure why I went with deepness over depth, but I did. But basically that video is all about trying to communicate with people and it's just not working. Like no matter what you say, it's almost like they just don't get it. So I've been listening to a bunch of podcasts lately. And one that I discovered lately is called You're Not So Smart. Maybe you've heard of that one. Um, but there was sort of this three-part series on the backfire effect and what that is, which is a psychological thing. You can look it up. It's actually almost been proven wrong at this point, which is kind of funny. You've brought up some interesting studies and kind of proved some things that I've been kind of thinking about for a while. So I think in some of these other videos that I've made, you know, I was very confused at times, um, especially in that deepness divide video. That was over a year ago that I made that. Why I couldn't get through to certain people. It just seemed like no matter what I said, no matter what I did, it's like these people would not see reason or facts. And I've heard a few ideas from people like Naval on Twitter, really smart guy, um, a few other people as well. Maybe this isn't a new idea, but maybe it's something that I've just kind of, kind of discovered for myself. And it's this idea that people wrap their identities around their beliefs. And so if you come along with some kind of compelling evidence to challenge a belief, let's say, and it's one of those identity-based beliefs, people are not going to accept that easily because it actually involves you know, changing their identity. And oftentimes, if you try to challenge a belief that is identity-based, it'll kind of flip a switch in a person and they'll get super defensive. And, and the end result is basically, you know, they're not listening to you. I think one problem, with me versus society is that I actually enjoy changing my mind. I actually like researching new things, learning new stuff, and then forming new opinions around new information. And if somebody brings me some new information, you know, I don't wanna make myself seem like some kind of angel. I can, I can be defensive about things, especially things that I think I believe as true. If somebody brings me some counter evidence to that, I might initially be defensive. But I think if somebody does bring compelling evidence or facts I can come around and I actually have done that numerous times in my life and I think it kind of throws people off because people really like to classify you and once they classify you as this, you know, even years later they'll say, oh, you're that, therefore you believe this and it's just always something I've really disliked. Like I, I like to choose my beliefs. I don't want people to pressure them on me. I don't want to believe things just because I'm told that I'm supposed to. And then once I do believe something, it's possible that I might change my mind at any given time. And I think that really does throw people off. I think that most people really protect their beliefs and they have a really hard time. Maybe I shouldn't say most people, but I know that certain people, especially those four personalities that are sometimes called the guardian personalities, it's like ESTJ, ISTJ, 
ESFJ and ISFJ. So those four personalities supposedly make up 40% of the population. And those four personalities really value tradition, you know, hierarchies, values that are like culturally held. In particular, I've noticed it's extremely hard to change the mind of one of those people. It can take months. All right, so people wrap their identities around their beliefs. And then if you come along and challenge one of those beliefs, or even just throw out a fact, something to say, or maybe it's based on some incorrect information and you try to correct that information, um, it's gonna be very hard for those people to accept that information. So, you know, I've been wondering lately, why is that? I, I sort of know this as true now. And so I've done a little bit of um, research in this topic and I sort of wanted to share a few of my findings. So what does it mean to wrap your identity around your beliefs? It means you define who you are based on your beliefs. Like, I am a Christian, I am an atheist, I am a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm a poet. Like, it could be anything. Basically, if you ever have the words I am in front of something, that is accepting an identity. And oftentimes when people accept an identity, they often will also accept the beliefs that go along with that identity. Like, obviously, if you're a Christian, there's a number of beliefs that you kind of have to adopt, otherwise you're not a Christian. Um, same with being a Republican. You can't really be a Republican and sort of believe the opposite of what all the Republicans believe. You kind of have to adopt those beliefs. So the problem with identity-based beliefs is if something comes along that kind of contradicts that belief, you really have no choice but to attack or argue against it because you can't accept a new belief that then contradicts your identity. You know, I think this is a real problem. I, I'm kind of looking around lately and seeing this actually everywhere. Like, it's just everywhere. And, you know, like, why do people do this? I think at our roots, we're kind of like tribal creatures and we really value belonging. We, we like to fit in. We want to be part of a tribe. We want to be part of a community. So it kind of goes along with that, that we will do things to kind of try to fit in with these groups. And part of that is adopting beliefs. The other thing about beliefs is I think human beings in general find a lot of comfort in sort of closing off hard questions or questions that are really hard to answer. Like, what is the nature of the universe? Where did we come from? Like, how did, how did human beings end up on this earth? And I've kind of noticed that a lot of people have an answer to that question, which I think is kind of funny because there's no real way to answer that question. We don't have enough information to answer that fully. Yet everybody seems to have an answer to that question. <laughs> so obviously Christians believe one thing, you know, Muslims believe another, atheists. And you know, atheists, they claim to be so much different than Christians or, you know, other religions. But in the end, they have just as many beliefs as religious people do. You know, you believe in something like the Big Bang, for example. I mean, what is that? That's just another belief that they've adopted to explain a hard question. So why are people doing this? I think we humans would rather believe something rather than nothing. So believing nothing or saying, I don't know, like, I don't know what the answer to that question is. For some reason, that makes us extremely uncomfortable. So oftentimes people will adopt a belief that maybe isn't fully thought out to answer these hard questions because it kind of removes the discomfort of not knowing, you know, some of these things. So what I'm saying is I think that people 
will often believe things just to make themselves more comfortable. And I'm not talking just about religious stuff. You know, it could be anything. It's something actually I've been practicing the last, probably the last couple years, actually. Like, is it possible for me to give up some of these identities that people put on me? Like, you are this, you are that. So if people say, like, well, are you a liberal? And it's sort of like, I don't want to be any of those categories. Because as soon as you're in the category, it's like people define you as that and then don't want to let you out. And then if you do try to get out of that, there's a whole bunch of people upset with you. So in one of the studies, I looked up a bunch of studies surrounding things like this. And, and this one thing that I found was called the Debunking Handbook. And it's this handbook that some researchers put together on really how to go about changing people's minds on things. I think a lot of this was sort of geared towards political issues, but it could be, you know, applied to any beliefs. And this is one thing they said that I thought was really interesting. I'm going to read it, basically. They say that people prefer an incorrect model over an incomplete model. So I'll just say that again. They prefer an incorrect model over an incomplete model. And this is sort of what I was just saying. People would rather accept some shaky beliefs that kind of answer the question and give a complete picture to a problem rather than solidly answering some of the questions and then not having answers for some of the questions. So you don't have the complete picture. You can't really say definitively what's going on. And your beliefs might include a lot of holes or a lot of I don't knows. So in general, what they found is that people don't like that. People would rather adopt beliefs that give this complete picture, even if it's weak. And so I think this is interesting because I don't know if that I'm like that. Uh, I've been trying to think about it, but I think... I, Personally, maybe this is why I have such a hard time fitting in <laughs> with society a lot of the time, but I think I would rather take an incomplete model that was more truthful and correct and factual rather than a complete model that was based on things that were like pseudosciences or, you know, facts that aren't really proven or just shaky beliefs or tradition-based things like that. Like, I think I would rather say I don't know rather than be like, yep, yeah, I believe this. And, but I don't really have a reason why I believe that. But I guess from what these researchers found is that most people are actually the opposite. So let's say I believe something and I kind of come upon some evidence that is kind of pointing to this belief not being completely accurate or not being completely true. Like, I'm just like, or my intuition is kind of telling me like, yeah, I don't know about this. Like this, this isn't completely adding up to me. Like I think I don't really have a problem with throwing away that particular belief and not replacing it immediately with something else. So that's another thing they said is that most people, if they throw away one belief, they kind of need to replace it right away. So actually on the, the podcast, You're Not So Smart podcast, he had this really interesting example. So he was talking a little bit about um, that debunking handbook. That's actually where I, where I heard it. He likened it to a table. So a table has four legs. And if you remove a leg, you know, that table is gonna fall over. And that's basically uh, what most people want. They want a four-legged table that's nice and secure. If you remove a leg, you immediately have to stick something else in there. Otherwise that table is gonna fall over. I think for myself, 
I got no problem with ripping legs off tables sometimes and kind of just living in the uncomfortableness while I think about it and discover new things. Like I would rather have a solid three-legged table than like a weak four-legged table that would just fall over like at the like a bit of wind comes through. So I read this really interesting study and um, it's uh, University of Southern California, some researchers, um, and actually Sam Harris was involved in this particular one along with two other people. And, you know, I kind of like Sam Harris. I've listened to him a little bit. I find him very, I don't know, logical, intellectual, um, which is nice. Uh, he doesn't seem to blow things out of proportions. Anyway, I like Sam Harris, so I, I was checking out this study. And basically what they did, they took a bunch of people that have some really strongly held beliefs, like people that are like six out of seven or seven out of seven. They actually measured them on, I believe this. Like these people are really sure about their beliefs. Then they stuck them in a CT scanner and basically watched their brain activity as they challenged their beliefs by presenting you know, alternate facts. Basically what they found is, is that people that, you know, lots of times we believe things that maybe aren't identity-based issues. Like you just might believe something is incorrect. Like one example is, you can actually look these up on the internet, like lists of common misconceptions. So for example, a lot of people think Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. If you challenge that belief in somebody, it's generally not very hard to change their mind if you just educate them on the new thing. Um, it was actually, somebody else had invented it, and Thomas Edison basically tried to take the credit for it. So what they found was, when you challenge closely held beliefs, is it actually activated an area of the brain called the amygdala. I hope I'm saying that right. And why is that interesting? Because that's the part of the brain that responds to threats, like physical threats. Like you're walking down the street at night, you know, in the middle of the night, and you see somebody sketchy following you, like, and you get that immediate adrenaline rush, that fight or flight response, that's basically the exact same area of the brain that is triggered when somebody challenges our deeply held beliefs. Because that, basically that part of the brain is responsible for self-protection. And it's interesting because the brain doesn't actually seem to be able to distinguish between in a, like, in the intellectual, emotional threat, you know, if someone's challenging your beliefs versus like a physical threat. Like those seem like drastically different things, but for some reason we are basically responding similar. What they're saying in this study is that anything that kind of becomes part of our core identity, the brain then tries to protect like it's our physical body. And so I read this study and I was like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. People, are going to protect their identities at all cost. And they're not gonna be logical because fight or flight isn't a logical, you know, rational process. So another question I kind of have is, regarding all this stuff is, like why, why do we accept beliefs into our identities? Like why do we even do that? You know, like you take a, a topic like climate change. So here's a thing that you know, it seems like it's something we should investigate. That's the way I would look at that. Well, yeah, let's investigate that and see if it's true. Let's look for the facts. Let's use, you know, are the tools that we have, like science to kind of try to figure this out and then we'll decide what to do. Um, but what's interesting about climate change is it's not looked at sort of logically like that. It's, 
you know, it's now become this political issue. And on one hand, if you are in one political party, you're kind of expected to look at the issue in a certain way. And, or if you're in the opposite political party, you're often sort of looking at it with some skepticism. And so really, this is sort of going back to confirming my suspicion that a lot of times people aren't even coming up with their own beliefs. Most people are adopting it from their you know, communities, their groups, their tribe that they're, they're part of. Like, I'm, a, you know, I'm this political party, so then I'm just going to believe this nice little list of beliefs that they handed me. And then once those people are in that tribe, you know, there's even more pressure to fit in. Like, for example, let's say you, I don't know why I'm always picking on Christians, but let's just say, for example, that you're a Christian, and then you decide one day that you don't want to adopt some of the beliefs. Let's say some of the core beliefs that make a person a Christian. And then you start, you know, telling people about this, but still calling yourself a Christian. You know, it's not going to be long before, you know, people start calling you a heretic, you know, a false teacher, all these kinds of things. You know, it could be anything, though. It doesn't have to be Christianity. It could be even, you know, an atheist, scientist who does evolutionary theory or anything like that. If you start challenging the core beliefs of that system or that tribe, you know, you might be kicked out of that tribe <laughs> eventually or... At the very least, you're not going to be very popular. We get to this, these places where we're in these tribes and, and now we can't even admit when maybe we don't believe a certain thing anymore. It's like, or maybe we have questions about something and it's like, if you talk about it, people might get really upset. And you can see that in our society. There's a lot of issues that you really can't talk about anymore. They're, they've been settled. Do not talk about those things. I won't give any examples because... I don't want to like trigger anybody, but I'm sure you can think of a few examples of things you're just not allowed to talk about in society anymore. It's just that way and deal with it. So I think part of the reason why it can be so hard to change somebody's mind once they believe something and it's part of their identity is that oftentimes our identities are they're sort of like, you're like a foundation of a house. So you build this building on top of a foundation and you can't just easily remove the foundation once it's built. So our identities are kind of that core foundation. It's almost like our common sense. Like we all have this certain common sense. And then we build our lives on top of this common sense. And I think a lot of times the reason why, you know, different groups can't get together is they have basically different common sense. They have these different core identities. You know, it's really hard to remove the foundation of a house or like a load-bearing wall in a house. Like, yeah, you could come along and replace the roof on a house pretty easily, but you can't really, you know, remove a load-bearing wall very easily because the whole house is going to fall down. I think this is why it's really hard to challenge people's beliefs because intuitively inside they know if they accept that there is some deep ramifications that they're not really willing to accept. So, you know, along comes a topic like climate change and the two sides adopt their beliefs on the issue. And the problem with this is if you actually ask people why they believe certain things, it's a lot of these just these same regurgitated reasons that, you know, some of them might not even be true anymore. A lot of these facts have been debunked um, on both sides. I'm not really saying one side or the other. Nobody's really willing to listen to new evidence or counter evidence because nobody wants to listen to evidence that counters their identity. So there's actually a word to describe that that I've discovered and it's called motivated skepticism. So motivated skepticism 
is basically you're more likely to fact check things that don't align with your beliefs than facts that do align with your beliefs. So a fact comes along that, you know, aligns with your beliefs, a lot of people will just accept that. And uh, another fact comes along that is opposite to your beliefs. And you're going to fact check that. You're going to look into that. You're going to research that and try to disprove that fact. And, you know, it's interesting. I think this is why, like, you sort of, well, sometimes on, like, Facebook or whatever, you'll be scrolling along and somebody will post some article. And it's clearly incorrect or, or a quick Google search and you, you know that that wasn't a real event or, like, you know, I guess they call it fake news. It, it seems obvious. And when you Google it, it, you know, oh, it, clearly that didn't happen that way. But yet people are kind of posting these things and you wonder, well, why doesn't that person do a little bit of fact-checking before posting that? Well... Motivated skepticism, that's why, because it aligned with their beliefs and people are much less likely to fact check something that aligns with their beliefs, so they just post it. So motivated skepticism, basically, for desired conclusions, we ask ourselves, can I believe this? Could I, like, could I believe this? If the answer is yes, then you accept it. For unpalatable conclusions, we ask, must I believe this? And so that basically is motivated skepticism in a nutshell, uh, like an extreme favoritism towards facts or information that confirm your beliefs. So actually, there was one study um, I heard about on You're Not So Smart podcast, and then I, I looked it up. And basically what these researchers had done was they asked people to sit in a room by themselves, and they gave them just construction paper, yellow construction paper cut into strips. And they were supposed to spit in this cup and then dip the construction paper in the cup. They told half the people, if you're healthy, it will stay yellow. They had told the other people, if you're healthy, it will turn green. So there was some strict instructions. They were supposed to dip it in saliva and wait 30 seconds, see the color, and then quickly seal it in this envelope. And they, they were told that was really important. So the people that needed to see yellow, as in no change in the color in order to confirm that they were healthy, you know, they waited 30 seconds, there was no change. They had no problem just throwing that in the envelope and being done with it, moved on with their day. But the other group, um, and they all believe they were healthy, so they really need to see this construction paper turn from yellow to green. So after 30 seconds, when it doesn't change to green, um, they experienced completely different behavior. A lot of these people, you know, they, they dipped again or they get a second sample and dip it or they would wait a long time. They didn't wait the allotted time that they were, they were asked. They might wait two or three times as long. And basically that was just a study to say that people, if the results of a test or you know, some fact that you receive confirms your belief that you're healthy, you just accept it. But if it doesn't confirm, and now the fact this thing's really telling you that you're unhealthy, which is different than your identity as being a healthy person, you are much less likely to accept that. And I guess like some people, they were even like, you know, taking samples and putting them in their pockets to try again at home later. Basically, these people were not believing the results of this test. And so I think that is super interesting because we're, we're super biased is what that means. Like, you know, information that comes along that confirms our identity, we just easily accept. Information that doesn't match our identity, we're immediately defensive. So after talking about this, you know, I want to have some kind of takeaway because the whole point of me doing all this research was I wanted to try to you know, give myself some tools to better have these discussions with people so they don't turn into these big, you know, arguments or, you know, people get super defensive because I don't really want to make people defensive. But at the same time, I don't want to just 
let people walk all over me and you know, try to plaster me with beliefs that I think are less than factual. So I think for myself, the temptation is somebody comes along, says some stupid or ignorant thing, let's say. I will immediately attack that thing and try to prove why that is false, why that is incorrect, why that is non-factual, why that is not a real thing. But I think the problem with this tactic, and it's a tactic probably I've done forever, is it's kind of like ripping out the leg on somebody's table. And going back to those other studies where people need a four-legged table. They, they can't give up on a belief until they have a new one to replace it with. So knowing that, it kind of makes me realize that rather than to attack somebody's belief or argument or point of view and just assume they're going to see all these lovely facts that you have or all this research that kind of backs up your opinion. So rather than do that, I think you have to kind of remember that facts aren't necessarily what changes somebody's opinion. And there's actually another study I read about that. Even if you change somebody's facts, it doesn't change their attitude. And that's very common. So somebody is really, you know, thinks a certain way about a war. And at first glance, it kind of appears to be based on a number of facts about that war. But what they noticed is if you start correcting each one of those facts, people often don't change their minds. They don't change their opinions. They still have the same attitude. And what they found was, is that oftentimes people, they don't start from facts and then form a belief. They actually start from a place of belief and then try to find facts that prove it. And this kind of kind of goes back to my earlier point that I think a lot of beliefs that people have are actually handed to them. And they kind of just adopt them as true. And then, then they start the procedure, some people anyway, of trying to find facts that prove that belief. As an aside, um, something that I've kind of been thinking lately, like if you really want to know who the most credible people are, somebody who's kind of born into a belief, it's possible that those people are the least credible because they've never had to undergo, you know, separating from their family, their tribe, their group, like trying to come up with their own beliefs that counter the opinion of their tribe. And you have to think that people who have changed their beliefs at some other point in their life, especially people who have undergone some kind of shaming or excommunication or something like that where they've been pushed out of their communities or families or tribes because of changing their beliefs, you got to think that those people are a lot more credible because they've actually, they have the guts to change their beliefs based on something. Facts, real information. Um, anyway, that was just an aside about if you're trying to decide who to, be to believe, it's possible that the people who change, have changed their minds might be more credible. So I think going forward, my takeaway is rather than try to attack somebody's argument and try to point out facts that counter it and just assume that they will see my lovely facts and change their mind, I'm trying to look at this differently lately and understand that people are unlikely to change their core identities, first of all. And you really don't want to stimulate that part of the brain that, in it, like this, that stimulates that fight or flight response. It's really important you don't want to do that. So rather than attack somebody's beliefs or point out facts that counter it, I'm kind of thinking, 
maybe this best solution is to kind of say, well, you know, that's interesting. Have you ever thought about this? And then throw out a question that kind of maybe gets their mind working. Because if you really want to change somebody's mind, then it is an identity-based belief. It's going to take a while. Like it's not going to sit, you're not going to sit down with your uncle at Thanksgiving dinner and convince him to you know, switch sides to a different political party. It's just not going to happen. So you got to pick your battles and you got to like play the slow game. You know, I think the other thing is the source of the info matters. So if somebody really respects you, your words are going to have a little more weight. So if you want to change people's minds... Step one might be to gain their trust, you know, prove that you're credible, prove that you're knowledgeable on a certain topic. And then later on, when you have something to add or some kind of challenging idea to bring up, you're going to be more credible immediately because of that. You know, if somebody already doesn't respect you, like on the internet, somebody that, you know, they, they throw out some ignorant comment on Facebook or, or YouTube or whatever, and then you respond like, you're an idiot, you, you are wrong because of this. You know, I'm just seeing more and more that, that that's just not going to work. It's almost pointless. Nobody's going to change their minds. So the last takeaway I have is you have to remember this thing, disconfirmation bias. They're going to be more skeptical of something that doesn't confirm their beliefs. And so if you come at somebody with something that doesn't confirm their beliefs, you have to immediately be prepared for that to happen you're going to sort of trigger that resistance. And something else from that debunking handbook that I thought was interesting, and I, I almost thought this almost bordered on manipulation, so I don't, I don't want to basically sound that like I'm uh, condoning manipulation, but it's, you know, letting somebody know that you respect them first before you maybe challenge one of their beliefs. Like if you just come in guns blazing, attacking somebody, you're not going to get anywhere. But if you come in and kind of affirm them in some way, like say, oh, well, what you said about this, that was a really great thought, or affirm them as a person, or affirm their intelligence. Basically, what is this person's identity? This person wants to be seen as intelligent. If you kind of confirm that in them first and then challenge some ideas, you're much more likely to get a good response from that. I think one of the biggest problems in my life is I just tend to see the world so much different than so many people. And so you're sitting there at a table and people are talking and you're like, yeah, I just really don't think that's right. Like, I don't think that's true. And then you're kind of left in this awkward place of, you know, what do you do about that? And I think a lot of times how I operate is I kind of sit there and take it. I sit there and take it. You know, there's things thrown at me. I can kind of go along like that for a while. And then one day it kind of just like, it's like, it snaps. And I'm like, blah, and a bunch of things come out and people are all surprised. And they often think that I'm angry, even though I'm not. I think it's just that they weren't expecting it. And maybe it's very challenging to their beliefs. So they're, they're thrown off and they're, they're, they're triggered. And they go into protection mode and they assume that I'm attacking them. And I'm really trying to cut down on that in particular. I don't want people to think that I'm attacking them. I don't want to sound judgmental. So something I'm kind of working on, on trying to become more diplomatic, I guess, to kind of be able to recognize how to deliver information in the most thought-provoking but non-threatening way. And I think these videos, to be honest, are a really interesting 
experiment for me. And it's it sort of, it's, it's helping me communicate better, I think. And it's one thing actually I would really encourage. If you've actually made this far in the video, um, I think I've got a lot of people that follow me that are, you know, in the INFJ personality, but also other personalities. I think for everybody, especially INFJs, is that it's good if you can try to articulate your thoughts, get them down on paper. And it's one thing about these videos that I've found. Like sometimes I get all these thoughts rolling around in my head. And if I actually try to articulate it, it kind of just comes out in a jumbled mess sometimes. And it's like, oh, I, I realize I actually haven't thought about this enough to articulate it in a really clear way. And that's what these videos kind of do for me is it, it really forces me to organize my thoughts and actually know what I'm saying before I sit down to actually do the video. And sometimes I've done videos where I'm like, that was a complete ramble fest. I throw it out. I come back the next day after thinking about it a little bit more and it just comes out so much better. So I think that's actually one thing that I, that I really recommend to a lot of people do videos like this, like, why not? Or write blog posts, or basically even journal. You don't even have to show it to anybody. But do some kind of writing or articulating to kind of get your ideas out. And I, I find that it really helps give me closure on certain topics once I've talked about them. Anyway, guys, that's the end of the video. If you get any kind of value out of these videos, maybe throw a like my way, maybe subscribe. I think it helps. Anyway, throw your comments below. It's always interesting to see what people have to say. All right, thanks. Have a great day.